This is Hearts of Oak Podcast. Free speech, religious disagreement, children's rights, and open and free discussion on any topic are bedrock to a democratic free society, and we seek to promote and champion these basic rights. Join us. Let's keep the conversation going. Hello, Hearts of Oak. We've got Amy Kelly coming up. Amy Kelly is the Chief Operating Officer of Daily Cloud. Of course, we've had Naomi Wolf on many times, who's the co-founder and CEO of Daily Cloud. And Daily Cloud, along with War Room, have produced a phenomenal uh, document which pulls together the Pfizer reports, going through all the information that Pfizer dumped. And they've pulled together, I think, 50 case reports on all different areas. It is available to download directly as a PDF from Daily Cloud and also is available to download as a uh, on, on a Kindle uh, from Amazon. You need to get hold of it. It is a seminal document that talks and shows the crimes that have been committed against humanity, against the world. They knew about it. The FDA knew about it. Um, they didn't do proper testing. They got rid of documents. They got rid of trial documents. It's so much. It is close to unbelievable, but yet we've seen it transpire right in front of our eyes. So Amy goes through so much of it, pulls together a number of the stories, um, and you will want to listen to it and you will want to get hold of it. So make sure you do. And um, by doing that, you're informing yourself and also you're supporting the great work that Daily Cloud are doing. So enjoy Amy Kelly. I am absolutely delighted to have Amy Kelly with me today from Daily Cloud. Amy, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Not at all. It's always wonderful to look at the work that you're doing with Daily Cloud um, in the many areas and obviously in the last two years been focusing on the COVID vaccines. Um, uh, mm -hmm. We want to talk today about the ebook, all the links are in the description and this is has just come out a few weeks ago let me bring it up on the screen and if people go to dailycloud.io they can get a copy of the documents put together uh, download it as a ebook as a pdf you can download directly on amazon everything is there the links are all in the description but before i get into the book. Can I ask you, Amy, how you ended up taking on such an enormous task of pulling together all this information? What led you up to that point? Well, I my background professionally is in project management, and I've also got a background in um, business process improvement, specifically something that's called Six Sigma or Lean Six Sigma. So that leads into what I'm going to say next. I actually um, signed up to be a volunteer on this project. And when you sign up in the volunteer process, it asks you like what your skill set is. And mine was not you know, many of which were available to choose from like a doctor or nurse or statistician, things like that. So I filled in the other input project management and process improvement. And it just so happened I submitted that um, form at the time when everything was really coming together and they needed somebody to take over 
the project and manage it because so many people have volunteered. And so um, Naomi reached out to me and asked me if I would be interested. And I was intimidated at the thought of thousands of people, but um, very passionate about this cause. And so I said, yes, I would love to give it a try and see how it goes. So that's how I got involved. And let me just, this is it on Amazon. Uh, you can download mm -hmm. directly there. And it puts together the 50 reports. And I, there, when you, when you go through and see the great thing about this book is one you can pick up, you can go through some sections, set it down. You're not going to be tested on all 500 pages of it. Don't worry. <laughs> but uh, there are a whole lot. So one of the reports, Pfizer mRNA construct, why spike proteins causes disease. Uh, report six, safe and effective. We beg to differ red flags in the Pfizer internal documents. Uh, report seven, COVID-19 vaccines and pregnancy. Risky business. Asking what did Pfizer know and when did they know it? Uh, the FDA fails to mention risk of heart damage in teens. Looking at the missing pregnant women from their trial. Looking at microRNA, which I had actually never come across. With adverse effects mm -hmm. rise in babies breastfed by vaccinated mothers. I, I just want to reinforce that any issue, any area that the viewer, the listener will have on this topic is covered. Absolutely everything is covered in it. Um, and it is something you can pick up, you can understand, and then be equipped to discuss that. But as you've begun to get involved in this, was, was there a time where you thought, this is just too difficult? Obviously, Pfizer had meant it so it was nearly impossible to actually get hold of everything um so when you were going through the data where there are times when you thought this is just too big a task actually i haven't really felt that way and the reason is is because we have such an amazing group of volunteers doing this project i mainly am just coordinating how um documents are distributed between them for them to look at and then reviewing reports that are submitted and so forth. I mean, there's a lot of other things that happen behind the scene administratively, but as far as thinking it's too big or too intimidating, they have been all in for this. And I just am honestly awed by their passion and commitment to it. And they have fantastic skill sets. We have so many doctors and as i mentioned statisticians medical researchers and this is their area and i get messages from volunteers all the time saying i love reading medical studies and i'm like thank goodness because that's what we need um one thing that was maybe a little intimidating about it is a lot of the documents are very i call it tables heavy like they have bunches of tables of data but they the tables of data are in a pdf so they aren't easily analyzed but i put out a call to the volunteers because i knew we had a lot of data experts data analysts and sure enough there's a group that came together and uh, formed their own group to extract the data out of those tables in the pdfs and put them into an excel format to make them searchable and much more easy for others to use in doing research. So I'm supported by lots of wonderful people. 
And of course, you had those three and a half thousand volunteers that came from all over uh, to pull mm-hmm. this together. Um, but there's one side you can have the information, but obviously uh, the issue is to get it out to the public. And it's not just Daily Cloud's name on the front, but it's also War Room. So the, tell us about kind of that partnership and the effect of War Room and Steve Bannon actually getting the message out. Well, that's an amazing partnership, and we are so thankful to Mr. Bannon and his team. Um, when when the Pfizer documents started coming out, Naomi was on um, War Room already on a somewhat regular basis, and my understanding is they were on there one day talking about these documents, and Mr. Bannon said, we have the greatest set of people watching they're highly engaged and we're going to put the call out to see if people will help analyze this crowdsourcing this type of research is new as far as i know and he put the call out and the volunteers started rolling in so that's really an effort that he made happen and then he's been so supportive through the whole process of um, letting us you know, talk about what we're finding and go on and highlight reports that the volunteers have done. And just none of this would have happened without him. He is a force of nature. Certainly is. He is. (laughs) Um, Can I, you you begin as a summary and you go through some of the, the findings and maybe I can just pick some of those and let you talk a little bit more around them and from your perspective, what kind of stood out. But one of them is, and all of these will just blow people away as if we haven't understood how awful the situation is when it's laid out step by step it really does hit home and i think that's one of the really valuable parts of this document but on the first one she had pfizer's claim of 95 percent efficacy was based on only a tiny number of covid 19 cases in the clinical trials 170 cases in over forty thousand trial precipitants that that's i mean that blows you away you think this mass amount of people actually testing and then uh, when i first read that i think in spectator uh quite a few yes. months ago 170 mm-hmm. um that, that's mind-blowing yes it is that it's such a small subset on which that was based and that report is fascinating to me for a lot of reasons the um, people who wrote it are extremely talented and know their stuff. And one thing that I found interested in reading that report, other than the tiny sample that was used, was that there were um, what we call protocol deviations. So each clinical trial has protocols that must be followed. They lay them out, and um, that's what you stick to unless you formally amend the protocol. And what happened with this one was there were protocol deviations, and those protocol deviations led to several of those 170 people being in a situation where they really should have been disqualified from the trial. And if I remember correctly, the number that would have remained was 164. And that doesn't meet the threshold to get emergency use authorization in the United States. So they kind of ignored some things they shouldn't have ignored in order to push it through. Wow. Um, Mm -hmm. I just want to 
go through and pick up some of these and then we'll um we'll open it up uh, another one it was number three said contrary to public statements by pfizer and fda both were aware of data showing that the vaccine ingredients travel from the injection site throughout the bloodstream and we hear a lot about that of um of the whatever is in the vaccine going into one part of you and then traveling and when those questions were asked of course those people were dismissed as as crazy as tinfoil had as it the list goes on but mm-hmm. again you've looked at and, and the data is there and the fda and pfizer were aware that this was an issue Yes, they were for sure. They did um, studies called biodistribution studies. And, you know, that's this big term that really just means where do things travel through the body when they are put into the body? Let's look at all the places it goes. And they did those studies and saw that it did indeed travel throughout the body via the bloodstream. It gathered in organs such as the ovaries and the testes and the liver, even in the bone marrow, um, basically any liver, any organ you can think of almost it gathered in. And so they had that information, yet when it was rolled out to the public, all of us were told it remains in the deltoid muscle that it's injected to in your arm and doesn't go throughout the body. So that was just, that's almost worse than the not having informed consent. It's just lying about it. Mm. Well, um, mm-hmm. and then you. Um, there's another, I, I love the way you you put out a, a statement and the numbers and you have to think, oh, sorry, did I, did I just read that? So in, in mm-hmm. number four, Pfizer did not expect more than 158,000 separate adverse events to be reported during the initial 12-week rollout. 158,000. Tell us about that and how they responded to that. Okay, so that is the period of time you're talking about is called the post-marketing period. And so that started... With It actually started with the UK rollout date. So on December 1st, 2020 through February 28th, 2021. And during that time, they're collecting reports of adverse events. So they had, I can't remember the exact numbers, a little over 42,000 cases of people having adverse events. And then among those 42,000 cases, there were the 158,000 something that you mentioned adverse events. So people were having multiple adverse events. Um, That is a shocking document to read through. Uh, The appendix is eight pages long of just margin to margin adverse events that people had happen. And, you know, some things are minor that you would expect more like a fever, you know, or soreness at soreness at the injection site, but there are truly frightening things in there that um, all kinds of diseases and autoimmune issues, which is another disease and just shocking, shocking things to read through. I really encourage people to look at it. It's around um, 1190 separate adverse events of special interest. That's what's in the appendix versus um, just regular adverse events. There's ones when they say they're of special interest that are of particular interest to what they call the sponsor, in this case, Pfizer. 
and they want to do more research on that. But no one was informed when they went to go get the vaccine, let's say after February 28, 2021, that there was this long list. So once again, people really can't give informed consent without knowing that they might be subjected to those kinds of events. Because I, I certainly in the UK, when we had our daily press briefings, I'm sure you had in the US as well, you got those death figures mm -hmm. each day. There certainly was nothing about any possible negative side. It was simply you must get it. I assume that was the same in the US. Oh, yes, it was the same in the US. Um, I've talked to so many people, especially since I got into this line of work, who said, you know, they went and got vaccinated. Nobody mentioned anything negative. You just walk in and sign a piece of paper saying that you consent and they give you an injection. And there may be the rare pharmacist or doctor or nurse, whoever's giving the injection that mentions that there could be some adverse event, but that's definitely not the norm here. And from talking to people worldwide, it sounds like it's not the norm anywhere. There's another key element in this, and that is the effect on babies. And in Section 5, it says, as Pfizer tracked adverse events during the first 12 weeks of the vaccine rollout, 270 pregnant women reported a vaccine injury, but Pfizer only followed 32 of them, and 28 of their babies died. Um, once again, they mm -hmm. they seem to hide, hide this up, because you, you talk about medicine and you talk about groups maybe who shouldn't get the first ones and pregnant women right. is generally regarded as in that but um, they seem to have disregarded that completely yes they really have and it it's honestly been shocking and so upsetting to see that happening especially given that they had this data from early on showing a very high miscarriage rate among the women that they did follow who were pregnant. And um, in addition to that, the babies that do make it to full term and are born are also having issues a lot of times from the mother if they're being breastfed and getting those ingredients through the breast milk. Is that information getting out? Because I know that I was at a, an event here in London 10, 10 days ago, two weeks ago. And it was, uh, there were eight people on the platform talking about being vaccine injured and talking about how their mm -hmm. lives had been destroyed, really. Um, and there's very little help for them because it's not even believed. Um, is that story beginning to get out of the effect on this and then those people actually receiving any health and care for that? You're speaking about the vaccine injured now? Yeah, yeah. Yes. I, I do think it's improving some. Um, there, now that we're all being allowed to speak out a little bit more on social media about it, that message is getting out. I, there's videos being shared that are undeniable. And of course, here, um, luckily, we've had Senator Ron Johnson who has highlighted the vaccine injured. And now that we have um, the House has a Republican majority, yep. they seem quite interested in pursuing that as well. So I think the message is going to get out. And I just think we've kind of reached a threshold where it almost can't be ignored. Um, I was just talking about 
this with somebody yesterday, when you constantly are seeing people around you, either that are, um, you know, been vaccinated and boosted and keep getting COVID, or they are injured from the vaccine and can't function like they're injured. Some people may not think it's from the vaccine, but they can't function like they used to, Mm -hmm. or all the prominent people that we've seen dying, and that's been reported, it's getting the message out more. I think we can't really ignore it in the same way it was being ignored previously. Yeah, uh, completely. Um, mm-hmm. can, so in, in number seven of the overview at the beginning, it says Pfizer's clinical mm-hmm. trial document suggests that this mRNA vaccine ingredient that instructs for spike protein can be transferred from one person to another by skin to skin contact inhalation um, and sexual intercourse through bodily fluids. Um, and it's this mm-hmm. term that comes up called shedding, which uh, again, we were told nonsense and that was completely dismissed. Yeah. But it, it's in these documents to say, no, this actually is correct. Yes, it, it was definitely a concern for Pfizer during the trial. They had it in their protocols, like you said, about skin to skin inhalation and through bodily fluids, including sexual contact. And so they knew it was a risk and were looking out for it. And yet anyone who says they've experienced uh, side effects from being around the vaccinated, maybe living in a home when you're not vaccinated, but you have people living with you who are, are told, you know, no, you're crazy. That's a conspiracy theory. Even now, when you look it up, it's fact checked everywhere. If you look up vaccine shedding, but it is a real thing, and they warned against against it and tried to keep um, particularly men and women, women of childbearing age, separated during the trial. Mm. There, again, looking at men, and in Section 9, it says Pfizer did not evaluate adverse vaccine adverse effects on male fertility during clinical trials because the company was in a rush. That is an indictment. Mm-hmm. Oh, tell us, again, I guess there is a rush to get to market, um, but male fertility fertility is fairly essential to the human race, and yet they just were in a rush mm-hmm. to get to market and make money. That's what it seems like. Yes, they really didn't look into it, and um, toxicity tests they did during the trial, they did look at how females were affected and they're looking at rats in this particular situation, but they didn't do any, um, if I recall correctly, toxology testing on the male rats that had been exposed. So they just really didn't look into it. And again, going back to what we talked about earlier, they um, ignored that it was collecting in the testes, which clearly also affects men's fertility. Yeah, because of and also the yeah the I was just thinking about how you know as you see in that one report um, everything is affected in male fertility like the sperm concentration sperm motility um, certain cells that are related to reproductive organs that would affect in particular like still developing boys and stuff yeah there were lots of effects they didn't put forth to fully inform people. There is a another looking at 
heart issues, which again is a topic that's coming up more and more. Um, and then this in point 12, it states during the vaccine rollout in early 2021, cases of Mary pericarditis, words which none of us knew before, um, inflammation <laughs> of the heart lining and muscle, and still can't really say it, um, were reported to Pfizer one month before the emergency use authorization for teens was granted. So, I mean, tell us, because we hear a lot about this issue of heart problems, especially amongst boys. Yes, I mean, there have been so many things that have come out and they were reported. Um, as you might see, even in the news now, they always say it's very rare, nothing to worry about, um, it, that these boys or other people that are affected are going to recover. But what you listen to when you, or what you hear when you listen to very well-informed cardiologists is that the heart doesn't recover from that. When the heart is damaged, it's damaged and you can't make it better. And there, there were reports of myocarditis and pericarditis and the post-marketing period also. And, um, in another report that was recently done about cardiovascular issues, we saw that they didn't include myocarditis and pericarditis in the cardiovascular category. They instead put it in an immune-mediated autoimmune category. So it didn't count as a cardiovascular event. Now, I, I did look into it, and there is such a thing as immune mediated yeah I was like again like you not catch the word um <laughs> cases of those but that's from what I read a much more rare event than what we see um related to the vaccine with myopericarditis pericarditis myocarditis and so it's really sort of deceptive to not include it under the cardiovascular adverse events um when when you kind of look through some of these and want to pick up a few more, but mm -hmm. the issue on heart issues, because here in the UK and in Europe, one of the vaccines that was available was AstraZeneca. I don't think it was available mm -hmm. over there in the States, but that was stopped because of concerns of effects on the heart. Um, but yet you've got Pfizer seemingly also concerns but nothing happened. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you kind of look back and assess that, how is it that you think that one was stopped because of concerns, but another one was just given free reign and seemed to be the FDA knew some of these as well? Right. And we ran into that in the U.S., um, not with AstraZeneca, like you said, it was here, but with Johnson & Johnson, J&J &J shot, or Janssen, it's also marketed under. And they did pull that one back and say there's problems associated with it. But then they left Pfizer and Moderna out there still running strong with known heart issues associated with it. And of course, I don't know the inner workings of how they made all of those decisions, but it almost seems like they decided we're going to sacrifice one of them and then just keep promoting these other ones. And I, it's been shocking to me that they have not stopped it for the heart reasons. Mm -hmm. You know, now they are admitting that there are some heart issues. Again, they continue saying it's rare, it's passing. Um, you know, I I don't know that that is that doesn't seem true to me. But 
you're right. They know and they just keep them out there and haven't pulled them back yet. I, I can't believe it because in any prior years, prior to COVID, they would have been pulled long ago for those reasons. Because I, the conversation I had with family friends was, well, what's the rush? It takes can take ten years for a vaccine to be fully developed to be tested, um, and this is a a miracle if miracles are possible in reducing that mm-hmm. um, that time scale. Um, but I, obviously, the there 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 was a push to respond to a a supposed threat um uh and mm-hmm. that's why sham corners were cut um but when you kind of look through some of the corners that were cut um what what do you think will happen uh to uh those companies who have done this because the information is getting out there and I've seen Ron Johnson's senate hearings and highlighting what's mm-hmm. happening the information is out there um is it just that the U.S. had been waiting for a change in control of, of the house as you do something um, or the media complicit? I mean, when you kind of look at that whole area, what are your thoughts? Well, it definitely hope, or helps to have um, Republicans in control to do some investigating. The mainstream media is extremely complicit. I really view them as having blood on their hands for just completely ignoring what's been going on or that this information is um, readily available and they could be reporting at a different time. This would have been like the biggest story in the world if they had pursued it, but they haven't pursued it. And because so many corners were cut, um, the clinical trials have really been happening since the start of December 2020, and it's in real time. And control groups have mostly been eliminated. They wanted to eliminate all of the control groups, the um, mandates, and trying to get everyone injected so that you couldn't see the difference. Uh, I, I personally think that there's going to be a lot of long-term fallout. So we're seeing some relatively short-term fallout now a couple years worth but who knows what's going to happen say 10 years down the road when um, adolescents and younger people who were injected with these vaccines are maybe ready to start having families and there could be all kinds of fallout from that they may not be able to have a family at all or have the size family they want with what we've seen with reproductive issues. Uh, you, you mentioned about the, the trials uh, and mm-hmm. here it states that Pfizer's phase three trial in humans was supposed to compare the vaccine group against the control group. So one group received a placebo, the other group received a vaccine and, and you look at them mm-hmm. and it, that was supposed to go for two full years, but Pfizer eliminated mm-hmm. most of the control group after four months, um, mm-hmm. I mean, tell us again. That's short circuiting the system, but tell us about that, that mm-hmm. the, about removing those kind of control groups. Well, I actually spoke with somebody who is very familiar with, for example, the FDA space and clinical trials, and um, what she told me was that when there is something that's considered essentially an emergency situation it's looked 
negatively upon to withhold a potential solution from those who are being um, in, who are in the placebo group. And so your company is basically doing the right thing, quote unquote, to give it to the people in the placebo group because you wouldn't want to leave them unprotected. And I feel like that's being disingenuous, honestly. You know, it, it feels more like they were trying to eliminate the placebo group so that you didn't really have something to balance it against. But that's the official line of why you can do something like that. Official and, and unofficial. Um, yeah. Uh, now, in one of the reports, and I'm looking, I can't remember which one, but talked about um, withholding uh, drugs that may have been beneficial. Um, I don't know whether that was, I'm trying to find and I can't say it. I don't know whether that was ivermectin or others. But again, w we were told that you get the vaccine, that is your protection uh, it's mm -hmm. nothing to do with lifestyle or exercise, and certainly there's no other drugs in the market. You must get that. Um, mm -hmm. Talk about that. I think one of the reports refers to that. Yes, one of the reports does refer to that, and I also can't remember the name of that drug off the top of my head. I believe it starts with a P, but they did know that it offered really good protection against like getting severe COVID and being able to do treatment. It's the same thing we've heard with ivermexin and hydroxychloroquine. Um, if there's alternatives out there, um, then they can't push their drug to that they want you to have because you might have access to these other ones. So they've been suppressed or, you know, just it's almost been whitewashed to like where say where they don't work. These things don't work when we have so many studies that show that they actually do work really well against COVID. But of course, there's low profits in um, already existing drugs, especially if they've gone into generic. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Another reason for rolling it out to, to everyone, as you mentioned, profits, but there maybe are groups that didn't need it uh, actually at all or were not at risk. Mm -hmm. um, and that is, of course, children and uh i saw yeah. the report and i missed it again but looking at the rush and push to give it to children that was a disconnect from them actually requiring protection from anything um so i mean just touch on that as well yeah i there was never any evidence in my opinion that children needed anything to protect them from COVID-19 unless they had other severely compromising comorbidities, then they might need some treatments. But as um, most of us have heard by now, you know, children get COVID, they may not even know they have COVID. If they have it, it looks like a cold. And there certainly wasn't a need for them to have a quote unquote vaccine against this. And yet, uh, I again think this is driven by profits. That was a new group that they could essentially push this upon and make money off of giving it to them and, you know, get it at least here in the U.S., get it onto the childhood vaccine schedule has been part of the goal 
and then it becomes almost required or in many states actually required because what's recommended is required to go into schools in a lot of the U.S. states. And it's been heartbreaking to see them um, do this and not only do it, but even suggest boosters for children. Oh, completely. And of course, the the reason why uh, people were told they needed a vaccine, and I don't think you touch on it in this, but was because a test told them that they had COVID and therefore uh, all these tests, which I think I read that there were two of the tests. Think, I think in the UK there might have been 48 or 45 providers. And I think two of them uh, got, if I can remember rightly, two of them were based in two hotel rooms in Shanghai. The companies didn't exist four wow. months before. And I think the contracts were something like 50 and 60 million uh, for each of them. But again, mm-hmm. it, it goes back to the whole testing thing. And I don't think that's something that's that's covered. Um, mm-hmm. but, but again, that's a, a huge failing. I mean, not not necessarily connected with the report, but what are your thoughts on, on that? Because it, we were, I guess, told that many people had something simply because we were testing yeah. from a company that had never done these things before. Yes, um, the PCR test, oh, just such a nightmare how all of that has gone down. And even the person who invented those has come out and said they were being used in a way that they should not be used. And they set something called the cycle threshold at a number that was so high that it will detect like remnants of viruses that aren't even active anymore. And so you are getting back all these positive tests that are really false positives. And then, you know, the mass media is out there going cases, 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 and reporting that for at least a full year. And uh, um, like you said, the tests are generally coming out of China. I did actually read a a specific thing on the tests that were in Europe that almost all of those were from China. And I mean, it's hard to trust somebody who is such an enemy of ours that they would be putting forth something that is actually gonna work correctly for us. And now, in at least in the US, that they've lowered cycle thresholds, um, you aren't getting nearly as many positives when they test people. But I, I just, I feel like that is one of the places we most went wrong was testing, testing, testing. Um, you, you know, most people wouldn't have even known they had it if they didn't get tested. And another example of that is all the people who went into the hospital, for example, you know, for surgery or, you know, whatever happened and they test them for COVID. They didn't have any idea they had COVID. And so then, they become they do have covid but they don't know it and then they become a covid case that can be counted in the ever growing pile of covid cases and a covid hospitalization case if they have to stay in the hospital for something yeah no completely so exactly the same here there there mm-hmm. were 
just two other points I want to pick up, and I, I really okay. did want to give a an overview of many of the areas that it covers, and the viewers, the mm -hmm. listeners, will be in no doubt that this is a publication <laughs> that they do need to get, and can just click that link in the description, whether they're watching mm -hmm. the video or listening to any of the podcasting platforms, it is there for you to click on. Um, uh, uh, another one of the points was, in September 2021, Pfizer and the FDA did a bit and switch by licensing a version of Pfizer's vaccine called Comirnaty, and although they claimed the Pfizer emergency youth authorization was interchangeable or equivalent, um, Pfizer documents show that only approximately 4% of the EUA vaccine was interchangeable. So this seems that they, they went with the approval of one type of drug, mm -hmm and then have something which is fairly different and yet carry over that approval, which goes against everything the public would think that these regulatory yeah. authorities are there to do. Yes, I, it, like you said, definitely a bait and switch. And um, the way it was presented to the public was just completely false as well, at least in the US. All we heard from mainstream media was that it's been fully approved. There's been a version of the Pfizer vaccine that's fully approved, we're good to go. And that's all people heard because they didn't drill down on these um, news programs and so forth about it. But the fully approved version has never been available in the US. And I'm not sure where it even is available. So when you would tell people, no, it's not, we're still under emergency use authorization because that's all that's available in the US. A lot of people don't believe that because of what they've heard on the news. And so it, it was it was trickery. It was just outright trickery, in my opinion, on both the parts of the um, companies, the FDA, as well as the media. Mm, oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. there, there was one thing which actually I hadn't come across until I, I read this, and, mm -hmm. and we'll kind of finish off on this point. Um, and it says here that in point 13, it was Pfizer did not disclose that its COVID-19 vaccine ingredients include microRNA. We've all heard of mRNA, but microRNA, which was an important natural component of gene expression and regulation and are associated with many diseases as well as a person's immunity. Um, mm -hmm. And again, there was no assessment for something which was quite novel and new. Um, mm -hmm. That's, again, something that none of us have heard of that we are receiving mm -hmm. and no assessment of the harm or otherwise of this. And I do remember that report. Unfortunately, microRNA is something I'm not very well informed about. <laughs> and I need to revisit that report. It was very technical um, and well done by somebody who really knows it well. Uh, but like you said, it's another thing that wasn't fully disclosed. And I, there are published lists of what's allegedly in the vaccine. but. I continue to hear that we still don't know everything that's in the vaccine, that that hasn't been fully released. Um, I don't know which side is telling the truth, but I tend to believe the pharmaceutical industry is withholding some information. Uh, and yeah, it's interesting to read about um, things like the microRNA and there, 
there's another report on pseudouridine, I think it's called in here, that is another ingredient that nobody would be familiar with, but it's very impactful in what it can do and people need to be informed about it. Wow. Um, there's a lot in it. And I have, there's, I think the whole area we haven't delved that deeply into is the, the whole attack on reproductive. We've, we've touched on a little bit, mm -hmm. but Amy may just in closing, can I ask you when, when you looked through all of this uh, at the beginning, we were not aware of this information, this information mm -hmm. then goes public. I mean, for you personally, as you've, look through this data and you see the completed product mm -hmm. uh, what kind of sits out with you or has surprised you the most or shocked you or um or, or yeah so just for you personally what stuck out well one thing is just how much was known before or very early on and withheld from the public like we were talking about earlier uh, it I can't believe that uninformed or informed consent became uninformed consent and was just thrown to the side. And that was, that's a tenant of medicine and it always has been. And I feel like the people that were giving these injections knew that they didn't have the information to give to people. And so that's been horrifying for me, as well as what I see happening, like you said, with reproduction, that's also been one of the most shocking things um, that impacts the whole world, you know, the whole population. And the fact that there was going to be all these effects on reproduction seems like it was hinted at in the protocols um, but as the clinical trials were being done, and then they definitely knew and had information in the post-marketing period right after the rollout, and yet people were just completely left out of that. And um, I'm a mom. I have a college-age daughter, and, you know, I love her friends and stuff I've been around for years, and I just wonder what's going to happen with all of them as the years go on and of course with their male friends as well too and i i'm horrified by how the companies and our government and our public health officials have been willing to sacrifice humanity for what appears to be greed and a certain narrative or control and of course um that one of the other things that has really bothered me through all of this is how it was used to like mandate behavior and mandate what you put in your body, which I found horrifying to watch. So there's shocking stuff that comes out every day. We just um, recently had another report come out that um, during the post-marketing period, there were children that were 11 and younger that were injected um, down to age two months, which there's not anything approved for two months. And you just wonder how that happened and how people could be complicit in making that happen. So lots of shocking information in here. I think there's between all of these reports, there's something for everyone that's going to really um, make an impact on how they view what's happened to all of us. Wow. Well, um, to our viewers and listeners, please do go to dailyclout.io. You can 
download it as a, a PDF. If you have a Kindle, then that is it on Amazon. Um, you can download from there. Um, so very final thing, Amy, what, what's been, tell mm-hmm. us the, the response, because it's just out. I think the last time we had Naomi on was before Christmas and it hadn't come out yet. So um, for you having the product together, completed, blood, sweat and tears mm-hmm. over it, uh, it goes out. Yes. What has been the, the response uh, after you've released it? Oh, it's been overwhelmingly positive. We've had so much interest. There's been about 11,000 copies sold now between the PDF and what's on Amazon. And also, I don't know if you're aware of this, but we are going to be coming out with a paperback. And I expect that to be out in about two to three weeks. Um, We'll definitely make announcements around that. Uh, We've had a lot of people say they'd like to have physical copies. Um, It's it's been overwhelming and so many people seem um, honestly kind of overjoyed at finally having access to the real information because there's, there's so much documentation that the FDA has released the Pfizer documents and it's very dense and hard to read through. So to have it in these digestible reports that are much easier for the layperson to read has been warmly received. It's strange being overjoyed at bad news, but truth has to get out. And and you're right, the public need to be informed and these companies held to account. Amy, thank you for your time. I really appreciate you coming along and sharing the book. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Not at all. Thank you. If you like what we do, sign up to our mailing list. Donate, share, and subscribe to our many platforms at heartsofoak.org. Thank you for listening.